Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. You know, I remember as a kid worrying about things. Uh, I would worry about school. I would worry about uh, taking tests. I would worry about what I would get on my report card. Uh, I would worry about getting in trouble if I didn't get the right grades. Uh, I would worry and I would ask the question, over and over and over in my mind, what if my parents find out about whatever it is that I did wrong? I remember thinking, uh, it must be great to be an adult. Because when you're an adult, uh, you don't really have to worry about anything anymore. (laughs) And then I got a little older, and I still worried about losing at sports. I worried about getting into the right college. I worried about getting into the right graduate school. I worried about making friends. I worried about what I should do for a living and if I would ever live up to my potential, whatever that was. I worried about meeting the right girl and falling in love and getting married. And then I worried if we would have a child. And then we did. And when that little child was born, I realized I had everything I wanted. And now that I was a parent, I would never worry again. That lasted about 10 seconds. And then I realized this little baby was eight pounds of nonstop worry. I thought, now I'm gonna have to worry about this little child for the next 18 years. She's 16 now, and I'm starting to worry she's gonna go away to college in a couple of years and never look back. Worry is not my friend. It always tries to get me to live in the future that I cannot control, and I miss the present where I could know gratitude. Worry is insatiable. I mean, I can worry about not having kids, and then I can worry about having kids and doing a horrible job of raising them. I mean, these are mutually incompatible outcomes, but I can worry about them both. I have a finite capacity to live, but I have an infinite capacity to worry. And worry is relentless at killing the joy in my life. There won't be enough. Um, You're not gonna make it. The kids won't make it. The bubble is gonna burst. Uh, you're, You're disappointing people. Worry will make me say, but what if? Rather than, the truth that I know from the writers of scripture, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Worry will make me say, if only, rather than in all things give thanks. Worry is sneaky. You know, I, uh, my brow is furrowed and my wife will ask me, what are you worried about? I'm worried about this stupid sermon I'm working on. Well, what's it about? It's about what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about not worrying about anything. You're worried about how to teach people not to worry. Yeah, what's your point? (laughs) Jesus hates worry. He hates what it does to people. He hates how it makes us uh, small and selfish and timid and mean. He hates how it chokes joy and kills dreams and steals our days one hour at a time. Jesus hates worry. 
but he loves worriers. And you need to hear this. Jesus has great compassion for people who worry. It may be that anxiety, chronic worry, or panic attacks are, cr are crushing enemy for you. Maybe other people or even churches sometimes make you feel worse because they imply that anxiety is your fault. Like you ought to have more faith, they say. I have a close friend who has incredible faith in God, who has dealt with chronic, often severe anxiety since childhood. He doesn't lack faith. He, and maybe you, has to fight an inner battle no one outside of his body can ever fully understand. But God knows, and God cares. And Jesus does not say these words to add to your burden. In fact, it's the exact opposite. He wants to lighten your burden. And so we come today in the Sermon on the Mount to these words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I was reading some brilliant insights from a Christian writer who talks about how to locate our lives in the reality of what Jesus describes here. Uh, he said, we live at the intersection of the past and the future. Uh, we all have a past and, and we remember what is behind us. And we do that with either gratitude or regret. And we all anticipate a future. And we do that either with hope or fear. And the only place we can find God is in this moment, right here and right now. You see, regret will try to, to make you live in the past. Uh, fear and anxiety will try to make you live in the future. Yet God calls us to live in this moment, right here and right now. It's actually his gift to us that he created us to live in time. And then he said, we're also creatures who occupy space. And again, when it comes to space, we live at the intersection of two worlds, uh, our inner world in our minds and our outer world, the great world God created. In our minds, there is this unceasing flow of thoughts and feelings, and your inner world is an amazing gift. Uh, and then we engage with our outer world, with objects, with nature, and especially with people. Now, the whole world is God's gift to us, and, and we were made by God to live in our inner world with peace. The Apostle Paul tells us, 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we were made by God to interact with our outer world with love. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. You live at the intersection of the past and the future. And at the intersection of uh, where your inner world meets with your outer world. You live at the center of the cross. You live what this writer calls a cruciform life, a life in the shape of the cross. You can't live in the past. You can't live in the future. Uh, you can only live in this place called now. We sometimes take now for granted, but we don't get to manufacture it. Now is a miracle. Now is a gift. Maybe that's why they call it the present. With God, existence is always now. Someone asked Augustine one time, if in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, what was God doing before the beginning? And Augustine said, he was creating hell for people who ask questions like that. <laughs> I mean, he was only joking because God loves it when people ask questions. God made us to ask questions. You see, this is how we're to live. We're to remember the past with gratitude, to anticipate the future with hope, to dwell in your heart and your mind with peace, and to engage in the world with love. That's the cross-shaped life. That's the cruciform life. That's why the most important word in this passage is the first word, therefore. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. What's the therefore, therefore? Don't worry, not because worry is unpleasant, although it is. Don't worry, not because it will hurt your body, although it will. Don't worry because we live in a God-made, God-breathed, God-soaked, God-watched, God-loved world. Don't worry because your cross-shaped life is safe in the hands of God. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus would often teach about this lesson, the lesson of the birds. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap. Uh, they have very limited time management skills. Uh, birds are not very employable, not very ambitious, but almost never do you see a bird uh, with real high blood pressure or colitis or a bird that's obsessing over how the NASDAQ is doing. They just kind of trust that when they need a worm, it will be there, or when they need a berry, it will be there. And Jesus says that when that happens, it's no accident. He says, your heavenly father feeds them. That's what's going on all the time. Jesus would look at the birds and he would, they would make him think about how good God was being. God never gets tired of taking care of those little creatures. You know, we have two cats that we love, uh, Rizzo and Baez, uh, named after our favorite 2016 world champion Chicago Cubs. Uh, we feed Rizzo and Baez, we love them, we take care of them, and they don't worry about what they're going to eat. I mean, we feed them every day. And what Jesus is saying is it's like that with God and all of us creatures. We don't live in a machine. Uh, science has not shown that we exist in a machine. Every time a hummingbird swoops in for nectar, every time a daisy pops up out of the ground, it's God. And Jesus hasn't even gotten to you yet. 
And so we'll talk about you in just a moment. Are you anxious or worried right now? I know when I hear sermons or stories or about worry, or when someone even mentions the word anxious, my blood pressure goes up a little bit. So let's take a minute and pause, deep breath in, hold it, and breathe out. Worry and anxiety is a part of our everyday lives. Andy Crouch, a theologian and writer, says that whenever he talks to students about this or when he wants to talk to students about this, he says this. He says that statistics tell us that we are and you are experiencing extraordinary levels of anxiety, depression, and loneliness. This is not because you are an unhealthy person in a normal world. It's because you are a normal person in an unhealthy world. As someone who works with students and college-age kids, I see and hear what Andy also experiences, this anxiety in our lives. Recent information tells us that 40 million adults, which is roughly 18% of the U.S. population, experiences some form of worry or anxiety. And this percentage actually increases when we look at students and kids. From uh, 25% of our kids from age 13 to 18 experience some form of anxiety. While some of us may experience a little bit more or a little bit less, worry is all around us. Uh, For me, worry may not be my friend, but it's certainly my constant companion. In fact, my brain is so often filled with thoughts of worry or anxiety that I've named my anxious thoughts. I call them Carl, named after the fog in San Francisco. And sometimes in my life, Carl is just this background noise, this little voice that fills in my empty moments of silence. And sometimes Carl escalates into panic attacks and other fun things. In the midst of my own anxiety, In these panic attacks, I remember the verses that Matt is talking about today. And while my anxiousness doesn't dissipate or go away, I find peace in what God is telling us. Peace in God's provision for the birds, but peace in God's presence in my life. We're going to be rejoining Matt, and we're going to hear what this passage and what Jesus says, not only about the life of the birds, but what Jesus tells us for our own life, for how we walk through worry and anxiety in the present with God. All right, now what does Jesus say about you? Well, he said in the Gospel of Luke, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Uh, Think for a moment about your closest friend or uh, family member. If you were to calculate their worth in sparrows, like how many sparrows would it take for you to trade them in? Now, you might be tempted to think, like, I don't see much evidence of God taking care of me. Like, I don't uh, have the life or the job or the home or the money that I want. Like, I rarely have a good day. So let me ask you a question. What does it take for you to have a really good day? Because this is the day God made. This is the day in between the past and the future. I want to tell you about a doctor who learned that he had cancer and about his best day. Uh, His name is Chuck and he had cancer a number of years ago. Uh, Chemo was very hard, uh, but he made it through it. Uh, One month later, 
He went in for his first checkup and the lab results showed the cancer was back as bad as before the treatment. Uh, Chuck was a doctor and so that day was his worst day. That day, he knew he was gonna die. The hospital called the next morning. A lab technician had mistakenly switched Chuck's results with the lab test of another patient who had not even started treatment yet. And Chuck was actually cancer-free. Since Chuck was a doctor, they asked him, do you want us to bring the lab, lab technician in so that you can yell at him? <laughs> and Chuck said, yell at him? I wanna kiss him. That day, the day after Chuck found out that he was not gonna die, that he could raise his children, that he could love his wife, that was the best day Chuck ever had. Now what happened? Like outwardly, what did he gain? Nothing. I mean, he didn't win the lottery, he didn't get promoted, he didn't inherit a fortune, he didn't become famous or buy a new house. He just got another day to, to do the exact same thing he did every day. That's all he got. I mean, he ate the same breakfast, he kissed the same wife goodbye, he drove the same old car to the same old job, he came home to the same old house, had dinner at the same old table. Only now, he knew there was nothing ordinary about ordinary. There was nothing usual about usual. You might be go, going through life right now thinking, God doesn't really care for me. I'm stuck in the same old job, driving the same old car, kissing the same old spouse. Let me tell you something. Somewhere out there in this world, there is someone who would love to be working at your old job. There is someone in this world where they would love to be driving your old car. Believe it or not, there is someone who would love to be kissing your old spouse. Maybe you're not married, maybe you don't have a job, or maybe you don't have a car. Still, it's true. There are people who, if they could be in your place, this would be the greatest day of their life. But we don't see it. I mean, the birds do, the flowers do, but not us. See, there is this wonderful God, Jesus says, watching over this world, and with this God rightly fixed in our minds, Jesus says, my advice to you would be, don't worry. Because in light of uh, the eternal future of the kingdom of God, you have nothing to worry about. It's like this. I'll never forget the day about 13 years ago. Uh, we were at Legoland in Chicago. And my wife took our three-year-old daughter to the restroom while I waited outside. When she came out of the restroom, she didn't have Lily with her. I mean, our child was missing. Now, this place was huge. Like, how are we gonna find a missing three-year-old in a place like Legoland? So I started to panic, and my imagination went into overdrive. You know, needless to say, I was very worried. And we searched, and we searched, and we ended up finding her near the entrance of the park. And when we, when we finally found her, we didn't know whether to laugh or cry or hug or punish, you know, Lily, Weren't you afraid? Like you were lost. She said, I wasn't lost. I knew where I was. <laughs> In that moment, I experienced profound gratitude for two blessings. Uh, one was just life. Like our child was alive. I mean, that was a gift. The other was that going forward into the future, when I would mess up as a parent, when Kathy would call me on it, I had something to use against Kathy for the rest of her life. You lost our child. See here, Jesus is teaching. You don't need to be nervous. God knows 
right where you are in the universe. There are in the Bible a staggering number of promises that all make this same claim. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither this present nor future, nor any powers, nor height or death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, ultimately, eternally, all will be well. Your need for a good future was placed in you to lead you to the God who alone holds the future in his hands. This is what Jesus says. Believe it or not, this is his claim. Things are not just better than you think. They are infinitely better than you think. Things will not just turn out well. They will turn out indescribably, inconceivably well. Pain, suffering, injustice, and death will not just be redeemed. They will be gloriously, creatively redeemed, redeemed without exception. Now, if you're ready to give life beyond worry a try, Jesus has an invitation. It's not don't worry. I mean, that crushes people. You can't not worry by trying really hard not to worry. By the way, worry is not a sin. You know, people may choose to disobey God with greed or lust or pride or deceit. No one says, God, I'm going to defy you so that I can fill my days with chronic anxiety and pain and despair. I mean, if you wrestle with worry, don't add guilt to it. No, what Jesus does is to give an invitation, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make it your top priority to get in on what God is doing and to have his kind of goodness shape your character. Like study God, love God, follow God, serve God, think about God, be preoccupied with God, be surrendered to God, give like God gives, find him in this moment, see him in each person's face, hear him in each voice, Watch him at work with the birds and the flowers. Like rearrange your strategy for living around this remarkable opportunity to follow Jesus. In particular, Jesus says here and elsewhere in the Bible, do this one day at a time. Give us this day our daily bread. Live at the center of the cross right now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, right now. See, it's when we look at the future that we get overwhelmed. Uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture says every year, the average American will eat 1,996 pounds of food, roughly 2,000 pounds of food. Imagine if you were uh, going into a room that had all of the food that you were going to eat over the course of your lifetime. I mean, that'd be like 
42,000 pounds of dairy, you know, 14,000 pounds of beef and poultry, like 7,000 pounds of butter and fat. If someone sat me down in a warehouse and said I had to eat all of that food, I would be overwhelmed. And yet we will all do it. How? Like what's our secret to put away 75 tons of food? Well, we eat it one day at a time. How will you face all the heartbreak life will hold for you? How will you deal with all the problems? How will you handle all the disappointment and loss and grief? One day at a time. See, we think the answer to anxiety is we have to have less bad stuff happen to us. Sometimes people think, if I become a Christian and follow Jesus, then God is supposed to make sure I'm protected from bad things. As long as I believe, you know, hard enough, well, that's his job. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say, don't worry about tomorrow because if you have enough faith, tomorrow everything is going to be okay. What he says is, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's Jesus' prediction. Trouble. When? Today. What about tomorrow? Trouble then too. Trouble today. Trouble tomorrow. Now, what about like terrible things that have happened in my past? Well, I mean, we don't minimize them. We don't deny them. We don't try to over-spiritualize them. Like we recognize them. Maybe we lament them and we grieve them. You know, one of the premier researchers on gratitude in our day is a man named Robert Emmons. Uh, he teaches at UC Davis. He happens to be a follower of Jesus. And he talks about what he calls the redemptive twist. Oddly enough, very often the seasons that are the most painful when we go through them end up creating community and connection and growth and meaning for which we end up being most thankful. See, if we live cruciform lives, our past is not finished yet. Another way of saying that is what happens in the future can change the way we understand the past. I mean, think about it. It was on a Friday that a cross entered the consciousness of a world in a new way because Jesus, the Savior, was hung on that cross. For his friends on that Friday, it was the worst day of their lives. On the next day, Saturday, that Friday was still awful. And then came Sunday, Easter Sunday. What happened on Sunday transformed forever the way we understand Friday. On Sunday, tragic Friday, awful Friday, God-awful Friday became Good Friday. On Sunday, human history got divided up into two sections, B.C. and A.D., what happened before Christ and what happened after him. Now, I'll give you a sentence that has helped me with problems for probably for the last decade or so. Uh, many years ago, I faced a time of uh, real deep worry and sadness. Uh, it was a situation of gut level, like raw pain that involved uh, my family and those closest to me and my ministry calling. Uh, I wasn't suicidal, but I remember thinking if my life were to end right now, I'd be kind of relieved not to be in this pain. I was seeing a counselor, I was on antidepressants to be able to keep functioning. Uh, I told one or two people closest to me about the situation and they expressed their deep empathy and you know, they said, this must be hard and we'll pray for you. And then I decided I would talk to a friend who was kind of a spiritual mentor of mine. 
And so I laid out the whole situation and I waited over the phone for the words of sympathy that I knew would come. I waited for him to say, I feel your pain, how hard this must be. Instead, he shared with me the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And in the longer version it goes, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. You know, every time I tried to imagine or project into the future, anxiety would always win. And so I had to learn just this day, I need strength for today, manna for today, the cruciform life. Now much of that journey for me involved having a few people with whom I could share it. You know, when it comes to anxiety, and this is just real important for uh, being a part of Jesus's community, you never should worry alone. You know, we're wired to receive life from other people when we're anxious or afraid. And the reason why we have small groups is no one is meant to face life alone. So don't neglect cultivating deep relationships where you can share whatever is going on in your life. I mean, that's part of what I learned in that season of my life. There was a closeness with Kathy and me and with my deepest friends and me in a valley, in that valley that never occurs on the mountain. When the valley comes, when you're worried, stay connected into community. Never worry alone. For there is a father who feeds birds and dresses flowers, and you live a cruciform life, remembering in gratitude, anticipating in hope, dwelling in peace, and engaging with love. When the troubles come, ask God to grant you the serenity to accept the things that you cannot change, the courage to change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. All right, let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would use these words of Jesus to encourage our hearts, to maybe change our minds so that we can have a new perspective on how you uh, and our heavenly Father provides for us. God, I pray that we would move into those problems or troubles that we face with a different kind of perspective. Help us to live into the now, not, not thinking about the past or the future, um, but living right now. God, help us to, uh, to experience your grace now. Help us to experience your love now and your guidance and your wisdom now. And I pray that that will free us from this burden of worry that we carry. I'm just remembering right now that Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God, would you give us rest? And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.